Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. Before we get to the Sunday message, we want to share a need that we have as a community. We had to burn through our savings during the COVID pandemic, and we would like to replenish that in order to stay on mission and continue doing ministry as Grace and Peace Church. If you find any value from what we're doing as a podcast or as a church community, we'd invite you to check out the GoFundMe. There's a link in the description in the show notes, as well as on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or on our website at graceandpeacechurch.org. And uh, you can read more on that GoFundMe page about what we're doing and support what we're doing. Grace and peace to you as you participate and prayerfully support what's happening and what God is doing through this community and keeping it alive. Grace and peace to you. The sermon's called The One You Feed, okay? Um, And I'm going to read a passage, and then we're going to go straight into a video right after that passage, okay? It's like a three-minute video. It's about wolves. I'll put that out there, okay? All right, so... Does anybody want to read? Anybody like willing to read? I know that's weird to ask. I know you're, it'll be on the screen. Like it goes on the screen. It'll be like, yeah, it'll just, it'll come up. I'll, yeah, I'll put you on the mic. I've never done this before. That's awesome. Thank you. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. This is the word of God from the book of Romans. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness." I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you so much. Beautifully read. That's amazing. I've never done that, and that was perfect. Perfect. All right, check this out. Wolves. There is a legend I wish to share with you. It is said that a wise Cherokee elder was once teaching his young grandson about life. There is a war going on inside of me, said the elder. 
It is a war between the two wolves. One wolf is evil. He has anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. But the other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. Then the elder placed a hand on his grandson's shoulder. This same war is raging within you and within the heart of every man, woman, and child. The young man was thoughtful for a moment and then asked, which wolf will win? The grandfather's reply was simple, the one you feed. I have learned that the point of life's walk is not where or how far I move my feet, but how I am moved in my heart. If I walk far, but am angry toward others as I journey, I walk nowhere. If I conquer mountains, but hold grudges against others as I climb, I conquer nothing. If I see much, but regard others as enemies, I see no one. Whether we walk among our people or alone among the hills, happiness in life's walking depends on how we feel about others in our hearts. We travel only as far and as high as our hearts will take us. If I was to move forward, I needed to leave all that was backward behind. Whatever you carry that invites a backward walking, leave it behind. Which wolf will win? The one you feed. You feed. I could have shared that story. I probably could have told that story, but how rad are wolves? right? And visually seeing wolves, it's so much better, right? I was like, wolf video's going in. Um, <laughs> wolf video's good. So there are two wolves at battle in all of us. It's a great analogy because I believe when we talk about sin, and I know it's a heavy passage, a lot of scripture to read. Thank you for doing that. Um, Paul really talks a lot about sin. And if you go into Romans, there's a lot of language about sin and how that's dealt with through the grace of God and through the grace of Jesus. And um, I don't want to overly simplify it, but I want to talk about how do we begin to view sin in our lives as Christians? Um, because it is something that is pervasive. Um, exploring this problem of sin um, it can be very complicated, but I hope that as we use that visual of the two wolves, 
we can begin to see that because I think we can all relate to the fact that we have those two voices that exist in our lives. One that leads to destruction, one that leads to life. One that wants instant gratification, one that wants that deep sense of satisfaction, belonging, contentment, right? Um, And we've experienced that. As you get older, you start to parse out which one is instant gratification, which is things that uh, don't truly bring life, um, and which ones do. This passage here gives us a definition of sin. It begins to describe it in terms of what brings life and what brings death. Um, It ends up very abruptly at the end. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And then it goes on the very last part. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And I know that's like Sunday school answer, Jesus, right? (laughs) But we got to talk about that. We got to like begin to unpack that a little bit more and see what that means. Um, Raise your hand if you've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. Okay. I think we all kind of understand what that means and what the context is that I love donuts and therefore I'm a donut, right? So um, maple bars are my favorite, so I'm very mapley. Um, no, that it, it impacts who we are, what we take in. And there's a book, and a friend of mine, I, I'm going to confess, I haven't read it, but I sat and had hour-long conversations with a friend of mine who did, and I was like, okay, this sums up exactly what we're talking about when we talk about sin. But it says... You are who you, you are what you love. Um, and it, just in that phrase right there, like just think about that moment or that concept of you are what you love. What you love is going to consume your life, right? Whether it's people, things that you love, hobbies that you love, you are those things. Like if you showed me your bank account, you showed me your calendar during the week, I could see these are the things that you love and you care about, right? Um, which we're going to unpack a bit. That's because that's not, that's not the full definition of it. That doesn't define you. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're not in love with Jesus uh, based on those things. But um, you can get a good idea of what you are about and where your cares are and what we're about when we look at what we love. Um, the definition of sin impacts that because... Our understanding of love and our understanding of sin helps us parse out what is good, what is actually life-giving when we talk about what, what he's talking about here versus uh, what leads to death. Um, and this definition of sin, I think, will help. It's like this willful disobedience of the heart of God. Just willfully saying, I don't want to be part of what God is doing. Which also, tied to that, is we have to understand what God is doing, what he's up to, what he desires. Um, And it's what happens when we begin to, sin is what happens when we begin to chase after, obsess over, get completely consumed over, want, desire, and we take and we just consume and it becomes about us. And what God begins to do is uproot that and begin to change our, I guess, our our vision from being inward, self-centered to being outward and being outward focused and others focused and God-centered And I think a great way to begin to, I think, sort this out a little bit more is to understand sin as appetite. How many of you guys have had appetite even today? (laughs) Maybe you woke up and you're like, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty, and you go and you get water, and you 
fulfill that appetite, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we think about appetite and you think about it during the week, things you desire, how often does that appetite lead to something that you regret? (laughs) Every day, right? (laughs) You're like, I should not have eaten that. I was so hungry and I just fast food again. Ah, why? You know, like it tastes so good, but I feel so tired. Why? (laughs) You know, like the fries, like the appetite was there. And so I just had to fulfill it. And now I feel like I need a nap. Um, Let's expand that. Yeah, exactly. Amen to that, right? It's so good, yet so bad. Um, When we talk about sin, that appetite can lead into all kinds of stuff because it's not just hunger. When we talk about appetite, there's physical appetite, right? Um, we, We have so many desires that exist um, that we could list it off. I could get the whiteboard out and we can go into that. We don't need to. I think you guys can all just come up with your own. We're all big kids here. Um, but appetite can, can lead to some stuff that if we don't control that, if we don't have self-control, which this is where sin comes in, when appetite runs rampant, it becomes destructive, right? So let's, let's play that out to its furthest conclusion. So you have appetite for, so we used food already, but think about sexual appetite. That if that has no boundaries, we don't have kids in here, right? Okay, because I'm going to talk about some stuff. (laughs) If we don't have boundaries in that, think about if you tried to meet every appetite you had during the week. Right? So enough said. So like when we talk about sin and when we talk about how it impacts other people, our appetite can be so hungry that then that bleeds into other people's lives, right? Because now you're like, oh, I want that. I need that. I desire that. And then that becomes something that you demand from someone else, right? Because you feel like that needs to happen now, like fast food. Um, Sorry to use fast food as an example again. But um, do you see what I'm saying? When we talk about sin, sin is when we begin to really live into that and just say, my appetite, my desire, my wants, my all that needs to be fulfilled on my schedule, my time frame, and that can become very, very destructive um, if we continue just to like meet every urge, every appetite that exists. And a great litmus test to discerning whether or not we step into those all the time is how do you fill your bucket? And so this question, I feel like, begins to pry at it a little bit, that during the week, when you are drained, tired, angry, or uh, drained, tired, frustrated with whatever's going on, um, how do you fill your bucket? How do you begin to get energy again? How do you refresh your soul, your spirit, your attitude? Um, do you resort to mindless scrolling like I do quite often? Um, do you resort to things that are instantly going to make you feel good because of whatever physical um, I guess, accomplishment that takes place in that. Um, How do you fill your bucket? And I think how we fill our bucket begins to pry at what we have in our lives that begins to point to what sin looks like, right? Um, Because those desires will always be there. Desire exists. It's part of human nature. It's how we begin to live into those things, right? Because those desires can be met in very healthy ways, correct? Very healthy ways. Like, I don't need to describe all of that, but um, 
and within healthy relationship, those things can be met in very healthy ways, right? Um, if we have patience enough to, I guess, cook a healthy meal, we put that desire on hold for a second, and we say, okay, it's going to take me 30 minutes to probably cut up some stuff and make some food versus the instant gratification of a bag of chips, right, or whatever it is. Like, there's, there's discernment that starts to happen when we begin to learn how we fill our bucket. And so I would just say, like, how do you fill your bucket? Maybe write it on your phone, take out your notes. Um, how do you fill your bucket during the week? What, what makes you feel better? And, and I've known in times in my life where I've been really stressed out and food is my comfort, right? Like, is that straight evil? Probably not. Is it healthy? No. So would God desire for me to turn to those things as the, the thing that makes me feel happy again? Comfort food, some barbecue, some ribs, you know what I mean? Like, those things, yes, they make us feel better temporarily, but really when we talk about our relationship with God and as Christians, as we're continually trying to seek the heart of God, I believe we have to understand what that, like how we fill our bucket. Because if our bucket is filled by anything other than Jesus, um, I think we miss the point. And I think that Jesus does work through rest, right? Like that doesn't make you lazy because you took a nap. You just needed rest and a healthy way to deal with that stress and that, so that desire or whatever it is in a way that is healthy, right? Um, so discernment is obviously a big part of that, but what do we do to begin to feed that relationship? So we talk about the two goals, to feed that relationship with God versus feeding the relationship with desire, instant gratification, um, and what we see here in Romans is Paul talks continuously about sin leading to death versus life in Christ, feeding that wolf of your relationship with Jesus, uh, that that begins to bear fruit, that that begins to bring righteousness. And that righteousness, if you want to simplify it, it's just that right living, that our relationship with ourselves becomes whole, that our relationship with other people becomes whole. We're no longer using other people for our own desires, our own needs, our own appetite. And our relationship with even creation, right? That we're not just using creation, the world, whatever it is, at our exposal so that I can be happy again. Um, and then the relationship with God. We're not just using God as like something that makes us feel better. Where we're like, oh, I'm just going to read the Psalms because God's going to just tell me amazing things about how awesome I am. Which is good again. But it's like, if we're just going to God for that emotional, like, oh, I just need to feel better again, then it becomes an appetite just being met on a selfish level rather than a very godly, holistic relationship. And I think that um, what, what Paul does here is begin to unpack that. And, and as we begin to think about sin, we have to sort that out and begin to see how that can be very destructive in our lives when we don't put it in its right order. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus talks about this because it's brilliant. I don't want to just use Paul's language in all of this, but Jesus talks about this appetite as well. And in Luke chapter 16, it'll be on the screen, uh, verses 13 through 15, it says, you cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one master and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and not care about the other. 
you cannot serve God and money at the same time. So he's talking about money in this instance, but I believe that money ties into almost all of what we do. Um, he says the Pharisees were listening to these things, and they criticized Jesus because they all love money. So Jesus naturally knew what to, how to speak into this situation. And Jesus said to them, you make yourselves look good in front of people, but God knows what is really in your hearts. What people think is important is worth nothing to God. And what Jesus does is bring real clarity to the desire we have for the whole list that we saw, heard in that video, right? Of pride, ego, arrogance, um, wanting things our own way constantly, um, wanting control. Finances gives us a control over things, right? And what God begins to do is say, trust me. I'm going to resource you with everything you need. You don't need to worry about all that stuff. And he's and what we see Jesus do is say, you can't serve both those things. You can't serve money. You can't be so caught up in your desires and your wants and your needs. And in that, you will miss something because you'll serve that. You'll be so connected to that thinking that that's the wolf that, needs to, that you need to feed to give you life. And really, the wolf that you need to feed is the one that just says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about how you look, right? It's one of the things he says, he says, you make yourselves look good in front of others. You care more about what others think about you than you do God and his righteousness. And Jesus spoke about this. It's like that, it, that exact, um, I guess, phrase is, is used on the Sermon on the Mount as well. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, um, which he also talks about storing up treasures. You maybe heard that story as well. Uh, the teaching where Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. It says, rather, he urged them to store up treasure in heaven where it lasts forever, right? So there's this connection to you can't serve the things of this world. Those things will let you down. They will never satisfy. They will be temporary. Sure, I will not argue against that. We all know that, right? There will be a temporary satisfaction in whatever we want to, however we want to satisfy those desires. But what Jesus points to is eternity, is an eternal way of living. And he doesn't just talk about like after you die. He says, here, treasures in heaven that like, that will impact people's lives into eternity. So here, it all matters how you impact people, how you talk to people, how you are generous with your time, your resources, whatever it is, all of those things are going to impact people in a way that will move into eternity. And so again, the two wolves, which one do we feed, right? And so I want to talk about how we begin to view sin a little bit more in the context of what our culture says about, because our culture, I believe, feeds us a lie that I buy into continually that I need to, that I deserve to, I should, whatever, right? And let me show you just a, a screenshot that I took of someone's post that I saw this week. And I know it was none of you guys, but um, this is what it said. And not the left side, I added that in, okay? Um, but it says, I was watching a show for about 10 minutes, and this lady was listing all of these great things to do for fun. And then I realized that it's one of the religious channels, and she was reading a list of sins, Okay? So the list of sins are fun, right? Like, if, if I came in here telling you, like, sin is 
is, is evil, you should never do it, and it's a waste of your time, you'd be like, you're kidding me, like, right? Like, every sin that you list, you, like, we all desire doing that at some point, right? Because instantly it somehow feels good. Well, maybe not murder. I don't know. Let's not, not go too far, right? <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. You've been on the freeway lately? Like, <laughs> for sure. Um, but when we talk about sin, like, there's a reason there's a battle that goes on. It's desirable. Like, we want to feed into those things, right? But we've confused in our culture fun and instant gratification with joy. I think we've confused, like, we've just wrapped sin into this thing that says, like, well, you deserve it. Like, you should be able to have this right now. You should be able to treat that person that way because they treated you this way. It's only fair, right? And so fairness plays into it. Like, we could come up with all kinds of language that, like, slowly seeps into our lives that convinces us that sin is fun. It's great. And those are all the things that I do in my pastime because it passes the time in a really great way. But we don't talk about the, the dark side of it, do we? Like, we don't talk about the dark side of sin. We, we see it as fun and enjoyable, and it's, you deserve it, and, like, you should be able to enjoy your body and your whatever anytime you want, any way you want. But that instant gratification it has its toll. Like if, if even outside of like a religious conversation, people will tell you that that doesn't end well, right? And so I use that um, to set up one example that I'll give you that I see really, really pervasive in our culture. In the time of um, this video that I wanted to show it, but I'm, I'm not going to, um, that I, I just saw a preview of it, but it's uh, an organization that I've been following for a long time that deals with human trafficking, okay? And when we talk about sin, human trafficking exists because at some point, and we're like specifically talking about child sexual exploitation, I know I'm glad the kids weren't in here, um, that sin exists in our world because at some point someone bought into a small lie that turned into a larger lie, that turned into a larger lie, right? So there's a film coming out, um, The Sound of Freedom, and I know the actor that, you've, if you watch the preview, I'll just link it up and you guys can check it out, but um, the actor is like one of those, like, the cheesy Christian actors, but you might be like, whatever, but I've heard that it's actually done really good from a friend of mine who actually produces films, so I was like, okay, you're credible. Um, but it said it was done really well, but it tells the story about um, the, the, the sex trade of children and how that's becoming a growing problem in our world globally, right? Um, and, and I think, so one of the stats that I heard on there is that it's becoming more, uh, sorry, where was it? Um, it's the fastest growing global crime passing illegal arms trade, and they're saying it soon will pass the drug trade. And what they say is because you can sell drugs once, but a child can be sold five to ten times a day. How sad is that? And when I begin to think about that, I'm like, how does someone get to the point? Like, no one wakes up one morning saying, I'm going to abuse a child, right? Do we all agree on that? I don't think anybody, there might be some people that maybe have some mental challenges, whatever, that, that have that kind of whatever going on. But no one wakes up one morning saying, this is a great idea for the day. Let's spend our money this way. 
So here's what I'm, what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is that at some point, because of pornography, because of a very overly sexualized culture, I'm trying to be sensitive with this, I think we've allowed people to say, it's just a little sin. Like, it's just my pleasure. It's just my own thing. It's what I do behind closed doors. It doesn't matter. But we clearly see that globally this is becoming a serious issue because of someone that at some point just said, it's not a big deal. And then now is at that point where they're like 10 steps down the road abusing children, right? Like, how sad is that? And, and I know this is heavy to like bring up and talk about, but I only use that because I believe that there are many other little things in our lives that we somehow justify as like, it's just a little sin, right? Like that post, it was just like, those are all the things I do for fun, you know? And it's like, sure, we can joke about it and like, yeah, that's funny, huh? But that person legitimately, I know the person that posted it is not a believer and is like, yeah, this is what I do on the weekend, you know? And I'm like, so your joy comes at the cost of someone else's life, freedom, joy, contentment, right? So, even if you start on the very small scale of pornography, like that's using someone else's life for your own pleasure. And we don't know what happens behind the screen, what happens in all those things, but we've heard many of the testimonies of people that are in that industry that are like, I was just doing it because I needed money. And that abuse and that, that entire world that now you're benefiting from, that you think is just a little sin or whatever behind closed doors, actually has a massive impact that you don't even know about. And so I guess the heaviness I bring to us is because I think that when we talk about sin and when Paul talks about sin here in Romans, he's pointing out something that, like, it leads to death. Like, he wasn't just like, oh, it's kind of like a little deathly, you know? Like, it'll just be a little bad, and it's just, you know, maybe a little death on the weekend. It's okay, you know? But what, like, but what Paul's pointing out is, like, this is, I want you to have life to the full, and I don't want you to use other people, abuse other people, damage other people for your own pleasure. And, and I just, I strongly believe that these sins, that as we begin to look at what we do to, um, I guess, find, to satisfy our desires or whatever it is, like, that we begin to look at how we begin to love people in a way that, that recognize that sin in our lives can sometimes push people away, cause damage, cause hurt, pain, suffering, sorrow in other people's lives. And so we need to feed that wolf of Jesus, the lion, that brings life, that truly transforms life from the inside out. And so when I begin to look at like really like the beautiful side of this, when we look at the the life that Jesus brings us as we begin to surrender and we love and we begin to find our identity in Jesus and we begin to say, you know what, Jesus knows ultimately what is best and how to begin to find life to the full. Um, I would say be encouraged that the journey of being faithful, even in the small things, will bear fruit. That faithfulness as we begin to surrender life to Jesus will bear fruit because even the small things during the week, the little white lies, the, the little things that we think, ah, oh, it's just a little sin, really begins to um, transform who we are. And when we talk about being the church and being reflection of Jesus, we need that 
it should be a very stark difference in how we live and how we prioritize the things that we watch, the things that we're a part of, that we begin to say, I prioritize Jesus and I want that to be the core thing because I know it's life-giving for everybody, not just me. That is life-giving for others, that they begin to seriously see the beauty that is in love and truth. And so... Um, my, I guess my, my closing ideas and thoughts, and we'll just we'll close with a song of worship, um, is that as we begin to incorporate these disciplines, and I, there's a list of disciplines that's always on the notes at the very bottom of the, um, the digital bulletin, the spiritual disciplines begin to shape us in a way that help us begin to find deep satisfaction and contentment even when those desires rise up because we start to learn self-control. We start to learn that... Like, no matter what I'm in right now, whatever circumstance I find myself in stressed out, I can begin to trust Jesus and say, I can have a deep sigh and go, you know what, God's in control. Like, I know my kids are going crazy right now, or the world's going crazy, or this scenario in my life is just chaotic. I don't know how to deal with it. I can just trust that Jesus is truly wanting to step in that in some way. And so a couple of the disciplines I just want to encourage you is that as you begin to meet with people, fellowship, um, during the week, when I meet with the Lectio Lunch guys, like that time is encouraging. When I meet with other believers that share their life stories and the challenges they're going through and how they're being faithful, I'm encouraged. And I go, you know what? Yeah, I need to, I need to stay the course. Um, so fellowship is key. I believe that daily being in God's word reminds us really like where, where there's areas where we have sin, where maybe we're we're doing the thing of death and darkness rather than feeding the wolf of life and joy and contentment. Um, and then serving others because then we begin to take our focus off of ourselves. And then we're like, you know what? Whatever this thing is that I think is so important to me, it starts to become less as we begin to take our eyes and focus on other people and serve and find ways to give and help other people. And then we go, you know what? Really, it, my time, my, my stuff, my desires, those are less important and, and I say that at the very end because I believe that all of us, our jobs, our families, all the different places that we're called to are places where we serve. It doesn't have to be in a homeless ministry in Oceanside. It could be anywhere. Your job, the places that you work, you work with people on a daily basis. You are in contact with people on a daily basis that you can serve, that you can be like, oh, hey, I was thinking of you. And I just like I saw what you did the other day on this, this, and I just want to encourage you and say you did an awesome job right? Like that's serving somebody. Finding creative ways to serve people is, it's powerful because then our, our attention goes to others and we begin to think about the connection that we have with others and how that impacts the world that we live in. So let me close, um, well, let's, let's close with a song of, um, we're going to close Come Thou Fount, right? Um, oh, Oceans. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I totally messed it up. Um, and we're just going to have time just to reflect on that. And I think just having a little moment just to reflect um, really on on where we're at in our relationship with God, I think would be beautiful. So, and then I'll close us in prayer. So, um, yeah. Lord, uh, we, we recognize that there, there are two relationships in our lives that we could pursue, uh, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. And Lord, help us to begin to discern that and help us begin to see it um, in the areas where we might be distracted. We might be convinced that um, that what the world tells us is good. Um, 
we might be convinced that those things are somehow good for us. Lord, help us to see and discern really truly where you are at and what you're inviting us into. And we pray this in your name. Amen.